weeks. But let's read out loud. I need you to read with me. And again, depending on how uh, enthusiastically you read this scripture will depend on how many times we're going to read it. Uh, but it is our go-to scripture for this series, Ephesians 5.14. Anybody know it without me putting it up? Nobody? Oh, oh, we got somebody. Here we go. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's say it again. Wake up. That's Ephesians 5.14. Um, several years ago, there was a Boston uh, consultant who was working with some recent college graduates. And he took these college graduates and he set them down. And he, he said, hey, guys, listen. He said, there is one word that is used over and over to describe this generation, the, the emerging generation, and the workforce of this emerging generation, and it begins with an E. Can anybody tell me what it is? So they begin to holler out, energetic, uh, exceptional, excellent, and, and, and the guy said, listen, those are all great, but the one E word that keeps popping up about this generation is this, entitled. Entitled. In, time. in fact, this generation has been uh, uh, kind of labeled as an entitled generation. And, and guys, listen, I know us adults, that's right, they're all uh, entitled. But hey, where do you think they got it from? They got it somewhere. And we can throw the blame, but, but, but they got it from somewhere. One article, one study said this, that a reason a lot of uh, uh, this generation is entitled is because the generations before it were so into their work. They would work long hours. They were away from home, away from the kids so much that they developed this uh, sense of feeling guilty for not spending time with their kids. So to make up for it, they would just say, yes, whatever you want, yes. Do you need this? Can I go here? Yes. And so with that, well, everybody, mom and dad taught me that, it, that people should say yes to everything I said. And so they grow up with this entitled mentality. Um, but let's be honest, it's not just them that feels entitled or acts it. Come on now. We've got young adults. We've got middle-aged adults. We've got senior citizens that live with this attitude of entitlement. You owe it to me. I deserve it. It's mine. So the wake-up call that I feel like we God is saying wake up to is this. Wake up to gratitude. Wake up to gratitude. I, I thought I was going to have to uh, whip Pastor Ben. I said, man, dude, you've already heard my message. Get off of it. He's out here talking. Get off my message. Um, Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays. Hey, hey, if you weren't already anxious enough, we're only five and a half weeks out. Yeah, so I, I love Thanksgiving. Man, you wake up, cook, you eat. You take a nap. You watch football. You eat. You take a nap. Watch some more football. Then you eat again. Come on. I know I'm not alone in this. But one of my mom's favorite things to do. And listen, if you don't do this as a parent, I felt, I felt the need to pass this on to my kids just because I wanted to share with them how uncomfortable it was for me growing up. But my mom, even growing up, one of her favorite things, you'd sit down at the table and she'd go, okay, hey, before we eat, 
we're going to go around the table and everybody's going to tell one thing they're thankful for. Come on, anybody do that? Anybody? Come on, yeah, yeah. I do it to my kids because it just frustrates them. Um, and I think that's why dad would allow mom to do it he, because he was like, come on, please, let's eat. I'm ready to eat. Uh, and then, oh, God, I, I tell you, I'm grateful. I'm thankful we only have to do this once a year. How's that? Next, next one in line. It's hard for us that sometimes when you're put on the spot to think of things you're grateful for, right? Uh, one, one of my favorite stories is when we were living down in Swanee, Georgia, um, where the kids were arguing and are back, bickering back and forth. And I finally said, okay, guys, this family meeting. And they knew when Dad said family meeting, it was not going to be any fun for them. And so we sat down at the table and said, here's what we're going to do. Since y'all hate each other so much, come on, you kids, I want y'all, you, you're going to go from one, and you're going to tell one thing about them that you really appreciate. Hey, parents, if you've never done it, kids love it. They love it, especially after they've been fighting. So, and this was just right after their heated argument. So they're sitting down there, and everybody goes around and gets down to Zion. Zion's got to say one thing he likes about Sheridan. He's getting, I don't want to say it. I mean, he's getting mad. It's so funny. And he says, I'm, we're, we're sitting at this table till you say one thing. So finally he goes, all right, you've got nice teeth. <laughs> that was the one thing he could think of to say nice about her. Another, another funny story is uh, uh, one time Denise and myself and some of our best friends, um, Barb and, and Kevin Mitchell, we were on our way to Knoxville, going to have a good day out, double date. And so Barb, this, she's like four or five, maybe, if that. And so her and Denise in the back seat, she's like, hey, hey, I got something fun we can do. Let's say her favorite thing about her spouse. Yeah. The women were like, oh, yeah, that's so fun. Well, Denise and Barb, they were spouting off things left and right. It got to, okay, Kevin, you and you and Kelly, y'all tell us what's your favorite thing. Listen, it's not that we couldn't think of one thing. It's just that there were so many things that we just didn't want to pick one thing. But so we, we I tell you, it caused the biggest argument. We got to the mall, and they went in one direction. We went in another direction. And I was like, I'm so thankful that we never played that game again. That is the one thing I'm thankful for. But isn't it funny? It's, sometimes it's just hard. You get put on the spot. Tell something you're thankful for. And you know there's things, but you just can't think of them, right? On the other hand, somebody asks you what your pet peeve is. What frustrates you the most? What annoys you the most? Man, dude, it's like you open up Pandora's box. I mean, the list can go on and go on. And for some reason, I was thinking about this. Can you imagine if we set our kids down the table and did that? Or Thanksgiving. Hey, guys, Thanksgiving, we're going to do it up a little different. I won't go around and tell. I want you to tell what gets on your nerves about each other. That, that would make such a great. I, would, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall for that. Uh, it'd be Jerry Springer show. Uh, but for some reason, it comes very natural for us to find things to complain about. I, I mean, let's be honest. Let's, let's look at them. Uh, if it's raining outside, we complain that it's raining because we need sun. If it's been sunny for several days, oh, we really need the rain. I wish the sun would go away. Uh, when it, do you remember when it was hotter than seven degrees of hell outside here? And we were complaining about it. 
Some of you got up this morning, oh, this cold weather, I just don't like it. I miss the heat. Come on, we complain. We complain. We complain about the traffic. We complain about if you hit one red light in Dayton, you're going to hit every one of them. I mean, that's just the truth. We complain about it. We complain about our kids. We complain about our spouse. We complain about our boss. We complain about our crazy family. We complain about uh, our church. It's not spiritual enough. It's too spiritual. They don't teach too. They don't teach deep enough. I just need some shallow stuff. I need stuff that hits me right where I live today. Uh, it's, it's not long enough. It's too long. The music's too loud. It's not loud enough. Pastor Ben's pants are always too tight. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that one. Get off your phone. I just told a good joke about you, and you didn't. All you heard was Pastor Ben. And then if it wasn't easy enough to find things to complain about, COVID hit. Come on. We don't lie. We complain about if somebody wears a mask. We complain if they don't wear a mask. We complain, oh, I wish our, our kids could go back to school. Oh, I think it's a little too soon for our kids to be going back to school. Oh, I wish I could go to work. And then, then the people that are considered essential, I wish I could have some time off. Why am I essential? Uh, come on, we've got everybody's complaining about something. And then let's throw the election in the mix. Woo! Come on now. We complain about election ads. We complain about the candidate we don't like. We complain about the candidate we do like. We complain about the people on our Facebook page that are posting things we don't agree with. We complain about the things that people we don't know, but somehow they come through our feed that we don't agree with. Well, you could block them. No, I just need that added frustration in my life. Come on now. And, and, and the thing is, some of y'all right now, now complaining that this pastor, he's, he's, he's quoted one, one Bible verse. Is he preaching or giving a TED Talk? Come on, which one is it? And it's in the middle of this COVID pandemic that I think we've had a, uh, something even spread wider. is a pandemic of complaining. Even among followers of Jesus. Even in church, God-fearing church people, we've had this pandemic of complaining. And while they're working diligently on a vaccine for COVID, how many know there is a vaccine and a cure for complaining? I want to give it to you. Gratitude. The cure for complaining is gratitude. In fact, it's a scientifically proven. Uh, I'll give you uh, psychology today. They listed seven scientifically proven benefits of being grateful or showing gratitude. One of them is this. Gratitude, it opens the door to more relationships. In other words, they say showing appreciation can help you win new friends. It can make people say that when they see you being grateful, you saying thank you, they're like, oh, man, you're a pretty good dude. It opens the door. Second thing, get this, gratitude improves physical health. They say grateful people experience fewer aches, pains, and report feeling healthier than those that are less grateful. Gratitude improves psychological health. 
says that gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions like envy, resentment, frustration, and regret. Uh, four, gratitude enhances empathy, reduces aggression. One study showed that those with a high sense of gratitude were less likely to retaliate against someone or get, try to get revenge, feel the need to, for revenge. Uh, number five, grateful people sleep better. Get this. One study showed that just taking about 15 minutes before you go to bed and writing down all the things uh, that you can think of that you're grateful for helps you sleep better and longer. That's one of the reasons before we go to bed, I, I have Denise sit in the bed and tell her all the things she's grateful for me about. And it helps her sleep so well. Some of you are like, I can't believe that. He's such a mean pastor. Uh, I don't do that in case you're wondering. Uh, get this. Gratitude improves your self-esteem. And they said gratitude keeps you from comparing yourself to others all the time. And what they have and what you don't have. And the last one, gratitude increases mental strength. It says gratitude not only reduces stress, stress, but it can play a major role in overcoming trauma. In fact, in 2006, a, a, a study uh, published in Behavior Research and, and Therapy found that Vietnam veterans with high levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Vietnam vets with a high sense of gratitude. 2003, a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. People looking at what they have instead of what they don't have or what has happened to them. So here's a question. If you've got notes, uh, if you're taking notes, I encourage you, where is your level of gratitude? Be honest. Don't, like, if you're a one, don't put it on a 10, because that's not going to help you. You're, you're like, well, I'm grateful that I'm a good liar. Uh, no. Where are you at? Are you, do you run high on the gratitude? Like, man, I'm so, I, I just wake up in the morning, I'm like, whoo, thank you, Lord, for another day. Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, thank you. Thank you for opening that door. Thank you for this. Thank, you know, where are you at, or are you on the lower end? Of the gratitude scale. How do you know? Well, let me ask you. And this is where you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. Do you find yourself critical, constantly being critical of things or people? Do you find constantly, uh, or are you constantly finding the negative in a situation or in a person? I know people like that. Where, come on, y'all do too. They're constantly finding the negative. They see the worst. They, 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 they're constantly talking about the bad. Uh, do you find yourself complaining more than you are commending? Where do you need to foster or grow that gratitude level? There's a great story found in Luke 17. If you've got a Bible, I want to turn there. If you don't, I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Um, but it's a story about this group of men. Their lives are radically changed and they have an opportunity to show gratitude for this life-changing experience but not all of them do uh, Luke 17 starting with verse 11 now on his way to Jerusalem Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village ten men who had leprosy met him 
Get this, they stood at a distance, social distancing in play. They got leprosy. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. To help you understand what happened, what, what's going on here, they're standing at a distance because in those days, leprosy, if you got leprosy, it was a death sentence for you. It was a very painful disease. There was no cure. There was no hope. But besides the physical pain, there was this emotional pain because once you were deemed a leper, you were separated from everybody you loved. I mean, no contact. You were then put in a leper colony. There was, if you had kids, no contact with them. You had a wife, uh, no contact with them. I mean, friends, you are cut off completely. According to Leviticus 13, it says this, whenever someone got close to a leper, if you saw them getting close to you beyond that six-foot uh, force field, you had to holler, I'm clean, I'm clean, so they would know they were getting close to someone with leprosy. I was thinking about that. As we're in this COVID pandemic, and because here, let, let, I'm just going to be honest. People hear you've got COVID or have had it, they start looking at you differently. You might as well, it'd be better off if you just told me you had an STD. <laughs> Honestly. No, I ain't got clothes. I got to clap. Sorry, no COVID. <laughs> I mean, you'd be better off because they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. But COVID is like, hey. Even Denise, Denise is like, she's through her quarantine and all that, but she says, I, I'm, I'm not going to go tomorrow because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable around me. I'm like, baby, I live with that. People are always uncomfortable around me. Welcome to my world. Uh, but, but, but we do, so I got, hey, hey, why don't we do this? If you've got COVID, if you've had it, people start getting beyond that six-foot wall. Hey, hey, I'm clean. I'm clean. COVID positive, COVID positive. Come on. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That has nothing to do with my message, but I just thought it was funny. But they weren't just in pain physically. It was emotional pain. I mean, can you imagine? See, the, the experts talk about the social distancing and the effect it's had on people, that the depression rates are skyrocketing. A suicide rate skyrocketing. These guys are cut off completely from the people they love. These 10 lepers, these men who have no life, their life is over. They're pretty much dead. And the Bible says they see from a distance Jesus. And I believe they started thinking, hey, 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 hey. Isn't that Jesus? I've heard stories about him. I, I, I've heard that people that have been blind their whole life, he's healed them and they, they got their sight back. I've heard that people that were deaf, one touch from Jesus, they could hear again. He's even raised people uh, back from the dead. If he can do that, maybe he can change our lives. And they begin to holler out, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, the Greek word for that word mercy, it's not just somebody showing compassion. 
Because what we do in the church, we think if we've had compassion, oh, bless their heart. I'm just going, that's enough. They weren't asking for that. The Greek word for that, and I'm going to try to say this word, is elaeo. And here's what it actually means. To feel sympathy with the misery of another, especially sympathy that manifests itself in action. They were saying, Jesus, don't just feel bad for us. We know you've got the power to do something with your actions that can change our lives. And so they begin to cry out, Jesus, listen, we appreciate sympathy. We appreciate it. But we need more than sympathy. Everybody else is giving us sympathy. Everybody else is feeling sorry for us. We need some action, something done. And look at this, verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he said, okay, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were cleansed. They're cleansed. The significance of that moment in these ten men's lives. I, I mean, they're, they're no longer considered outsiders. They no longer have to live in a leper colony. They can now go back home to family, to friends, to loved ones. They can now go back to work. They can re-enter society. So this was a life changer for them. In fact, this had to be the best day of their lives. When man, we're, we're, we're healed. Now, if something like that happened to you, I mean, your life, bam, you were this way, and then the next minute, your life, come on, how would you react? I mean, I've watched people. We've had several people in this body healed of cancer, healed of cancer. We, we've had addicts set free. We've had marriages that were, I mean, they came in to Denise and I's office, the, filed for divorce, and we've watched God heal completely, restore a marriage. In fact, I was looking online at one of them today where the, the wife said, uh, my husband went out for, to get something and brought me back these flowers. They were in our, the husband came, Anthony will tell you this, he came into my office Wanting me to help, and Denise, to help his wife get ready for the single life because he, had, he was divorcing her. God healed. We've seen it. We've seen kids that were on the run from God and parents about to lose their mind, and God brings them back. Can I tell you, in every one of those situations, had this happen yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I get a call, and, and they're like, hey, hey, Pastor, we need you to pray. Uh, my husband's brother, go missing. Nobody knows where he's at. And he, he's, he suffers from schizophrenia, and, and we're just worried about him. His vehicles are there. He's not answering his phone. I prayed with her. Uh, when it went on, I get called about six or seven last night. Just want to let you know, we found him. He's, he's back home. He's back home. In every one of those, do you know what the natural response was? Gratitude. Thank God. Worship. And I think that all of us would say, yeah, of course that's the natural response, right? I guess that's why verse 15 kind of throws me off. Ten guys healed, cleansed, restored. But look at 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Look at Jesus' response. Hey, we're, we're not all ten cleansed? Are, are you the only one that 
got healed. I think I, I think I prayed and asked God to heal all of you. And he says, where, where are the other nine? Why is the only one coming back to worship God? Why is it this foreigner? I think Jesus put that there for a reason. Uh, putting the Samaritan out there because, see, Samaritans, man, they were hated by Jews. If you've heard me talk about this, they were not considered uh, uh, the people of God. And he says, why is the foreigner, the one that really knows nothing about what we believe? See, these others, they were Jewish. They knew what worship was. They knew about the temple of God. But they didn't come back to worship. The foreigner, foreigner. I think a lot of times, us followers of Jesus, we do the same thing. I mean, we miss somehow the goodness of God and what he's doing and has done in our lives. And we just take it for granted. We get this spirit of entitlement in, in us. We're used to being able to get up in the morning and physically get out of bed. Why do we need to praise him for that? We're used to being able to take a deep breath, fresh of air. Fresh breath, breath, fresh of air. We're used to it. Come on. Why, why, why would we praise him? We're used to, if it's chilly outside, being able to turn the heat up a little bit. Or if it's hot outside, being able to turn the air on. We're used to those things. But I'm telling you, if, if you're not used to God moving in your life, and God shows up and moves in your life in a, in a mighty way, the natural response is, oh, I didn't even know this was possible. Thank you, God. Thank you. And Jesus says, hey, where are the other nine? I mean, more than a few minutes ago, 10 of you were begging. 10 of you were saying, give us mercy, show us mercy. And now, you're the only one that's come back? Can I be honest? I've seen this happen over and over in the years I've been in ministry. You even hear what's bar. People come desperate for God. They come desperate needing God to really do something in their lives. Desperate for God to save them, save their marriage, heal their mind, heal, heal their body. God shows up in that moment of desperation, and they quit showing up. See, it happens all the time. Jesus said a few minutes ago, you were dead men walking. No future. Where are the other nine? And so the question that every one of us have got to wrestle with today is this. Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Will you be the one that takes time out of your busy schedule or, or your chaotic life to stop and just give thanks to the one that actually gave you your life back? Because before him, honestly, you didn't have a life. Will you be the one? Will you be the one that will stop and worship a God that chose you before you ever chose him, that loved you before you ever loved him, that died for you before you had ever had the chance to love him? Will you be the one that stops and recognizes the amount of grace that gets poured down on your life every day? We take it for granted. Will you be the one? But let's also make, let, let's just don't make this uh, 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 limited to the God, to, to God though. What about the ones that have impacted your life? Come on. What, what about those that have been there for you? What about those who believed in you when you didn't even believe in yourself? What about those that 
take care of your kids down at WB Kids or nursery so you can sit in here and receive? What about those ushers or greeters that on a day when it's uh, not as empty show you your seats or make you feel welcome? Come on. What about a band or singer or sound or light that get up here? You know, will you be the one that just sends a text, sends an email, or go old school, write on my hand, written thing, and just say, or, or personally, thank you. Thank you for serving my family every week. Thank you for giving your, of yourself. What about the teachers? Come on, that are showing up for your kids, for you. What, what, what about a coach or a mentor that is poured into your life? Kids, what about a mom and dad? Mom and dad, what about that kid that I, I've told some, uh, I'm not going to go over there. Never mind, never mind. I started to go over there. It's okay to say, I, I try to tell my kids constantly, hey, I'm proud of you for this. That was a great choice you made. And thank you. To win. What, what about the police officers? Come on, that, that, that put their life on the lines every day. Uh, those that have ever been with me, KCB and others, out to eat, they'll tell you whether I'm in Spring City Diner over at Foodlands in, in Cleveland, eating or wherever. If, if I go in there and there's a police officer eating him t- three, four, I, I tell hey, put their, give me their ticket. Because I want to show gratitude for what they're doing. The first responders, what about them? You know, we, we're, we're so quick to complain. I heard this story, you know, the, the number that I put on the back of trucks, 1-800-HOW-AM-I-DRIVING or whatever. And, and this person talked about calling in that number. And they were like, hey, hey, okay, yes, who, who you want to complain about? No, 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 no. I just want to tell you how good of a drive this person was. Man, they, they, they were very courteous. And, and the, the person on the end couldn't believe it. Why? Because they're so used to people complaining. Man, I want us to be a culture of gratitude in this place. That we think, will you be the one or will you be one of the nine? The one that just goes on with life as if things are owed to you. You deserve it. It's about time. Will you be the one that comes to church and says, I come to church to be served? That's fine if you're new, but there's something wrong when you've been here two, three, five, ten, fifteen 10, 15 years, and you're still coming to be served instead of turning around and being a servant, which is what Jesus said you must become. That is good. I hope it's convicting for several of you. Uh, <laughs> But where, you know, where is it? Uh, ten lives cried out for mercy. Ten lives were restored, but only one out of the ten showed gratitude. I don't know about you, church, but if there's one out of ten that shows up to show gratitude, I want to be that one. I want to be the one that on Sunday morning, I'm not worried about what people's doing behind me or in front of me. If I'm the only one doing this, I want to be the one. I want to be the one that says, God, you know what? Yeah, things didn't go exactly the way I wanted them to this week or this year, but I'm alive. I'm still standing. I got another week of mercy ahead of me. Thank you. 
we wake up to gratitude? How, do we, how does that wake up call? How do we work? I, I think there are three ways, three things we need, really need to get inside of us in order to wake up to gratitude. Uh, these are not going to be um, mind-blowing, but I think somewhere along the line in their faith, we fall asleep to these things, and we forget them. I think I've got it back here, Ben. I forgot to bring it out here. Thank you, buddy. And we fall asleep. And I think we need to be jarred awake sometimes to these things. So the first thing to be a wake-up call, to wake up to gratitude is this. Understand, every good thing that I have comes from God. Every good thing I have is from God. You may push back and say, hey, 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 pastor. I work hard for what I have. I, I, I work hard to have that. Listen, I won't argue with you at all. You, you, maybe you work hard. Maybe you've been a good steward of your money. But here's my question. The, the success, the abilities that you've got to create that success, where do you think they come from? I, I mean, you didn't just wake up one day and listen, I'm, these hands, they are not good for working on cars, um, electricity, plumbing, pretty much anything that, like that. They're, they're no good. I can hold a, a wrench for you. Uh, but there are people in here. Where do you think you got the ability where your mind can wrap your head around how a motor works, how this works, or how that goes? Where do you think you got the ability to wrap your mind around how electricity works? I don't know how electricity works. I don't care to know. I just want to know when I turn up the switch, lights come on. But there are some that understands the details, the ability that I have. That I know this is God. I'm not that great of a speaker. I'm not that great of a communicator. It has to be God giving me something to say to people. Everything that we have, every good thing is from God. I mean, look at the Bible. God gave Noah a plan to build the ark. Noah wasn't a carpenter by trade. But yet God gave him the ability to build an ark that would save his family. God gave David the ability to kill a Goliath. I mean, think about it. There was one place on that Goliath's body that would take him down. One place. And God gave David the ability to, to sling it. I don't know if you've ever thrown one of those. The, I, listen, you've you got to be very good or lucky. God gave the young teenage girl, Mary, the faith, the ability to say, yes, God, yes. I mean, God gives us the Holy Spirit to be able to comfort us, to guide us, convict us. God gives us his word. I mean, look, look at what James 1.17 says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Do you know what every means? Every. Every. Every good gift that we have comes from the Father. It, 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 I'm telling you, if we were to get this attitude inside of us, it would change the way we'd see. I only have these things because of God. I'm only able to do this because of God. Listen, here the, the second attitude when, when it comes to, to waking up to gratitude is this. I will not let what I have rob me uh, or what I want rob me of what I have. 
In other words, instead of being grateful for what God has blessed us with, our eyes sometimes focus on what we don't have, what our neighbor has. Well, I, I don't know who said this, but it's a great quote. It says, it's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Why is that? Because grateful people realize what they have is a blessing from God. It is a blessing from the creator that gave him. So their, their, their focus, all their attention is not on what they don't have or what they wish they had. It's, right, man, God has blessed me with this right here. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Here's the truth, guys. We all want better things. There's nothing wrong with that. Better house, better car, nicer uh, uh, boat. Uh, a better bike, uh, I don't know, better spouse. No, I'm uh, um, <laughs> so We all want things. Except that last one. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, but we cannot allow the things that we're looking out there want to rob us of what God has blessed us with right now and the now. E Ecclesiastes 6.9 says it best. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Take a moment. Take a moment. Think about what you have. Just the everyday normal person in this room or watching online, think about what you actually have. Food. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but I look around the room and it doesn't look like anybody's missing out on meals. Can we be honest? I'm including myself. I mean, we're... I don't see anybody that's starving. What about a bed? Most people in this room are not going to have to worry about whether they're going to lay their head tonight or if they're going to have to weather the elements and sleep outside or under a bridge. What about clothes? Come on, here, here's what we do. We'll walk into a closet that's full of clothes and we'll say, I don't have nothing to wear. Amen. You know what causes that, Connie? Letting what you have rob you, or let what you don't have rob you of what you do have. Here's the truth compared to mo other people in, this, in the world. We are blessed. Get, get this. If you make minimum wage in America, if you, if you only make minimum wage, you're making 32 times the average wage of half the people in the world. We're blessed. You ever say, I want more. I want more. I want more. I'm telling you if, you, if we'll get this attitude of gratitude inside of us, here's what we're going to find. That gratitude turns whatever we do have into enough. Into enough. Yeah, I like that. But you know right now, this is enough. This is plenty. And God has blessed me with this. Look, look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, 12, and 13. Paul says, hey, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul's like, I, I know what it's like to do without wondering where I'm going to get my next meal, if I'm going to eat. And, and I also know what it's like to, to, to be feasting off of uh, the buffet. I know. I know what it's like to have plenty. 
and know what it's like to be in need, uh, in need. But I found a secret to living content in both of those. Here's what he says. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul, Paul said, I, I, I've, I've lived where I've had more than I could ask for, and I've lived without. But here's what I found in both situations. Jesus is all I need. And here's the truth, guys. Uh, you, there's a time. Until Jesus is all you have, you may never know that Jesus is really all you need. And I believe a lot of times God will let us get to a place where we're like, man, I, I ain't got nothing else but Jesus. Then we realize, you know what? Jesus is all I really need in this life. See, I don't want you, I don't want myself, I don't want this church, the, the people in this body, to be known uh, uh, for, for being entitled or being ungrateful or feel like it's owed to me. Man, I want to be, I, I, I want to be, man, thank you, God, for my blessing. And then, hey, I'm blessed. I want to bless you. I, I told 9 a.m., listen, if you go, I, I, I was a waiter for a couple years. I know Sundays are the worst day, the worst shift for waiting tables. I know that. That's just a fact. And I've, I, in my head, I've cussed out way more Christians than I want to tell you about. Especially you leave me a track. Oh, it got real bad up here. Now, listen, you go out, you don't tip, or you tip poorly, you don't tell them you come to Watts Bar Church. No, you say, I'm dead serious because I want them to, I want them to be excited. When, when pastor walks in, I want them to be excited. Hey, hey oh, you got, hey, he's a good table. Those people go to watch, oh, they're good. That's a good table because they're grateful for what God has given them. So they spread that gratefulness and that blessing. I'm telling you, I, I'll even, and, and my wife doesn't understand this, but I do it anyway. If I call in an order and I go pick it up, I'll still tip. Why? Because somebody had to fix it. Somebody had to do some work. And I don't want them. I'm telling you, when I call in the Gus's, and they, they know my order now by, by heart. And they know, oh, pastor's going to tip us. Are you gonna, that's right. I would rather be known by that than as some cheapskate person that calls himself a follower of Jesus. Because I'm grateful for what God has given me. And if I'm grateful, man... I know where it comes from. I'm not afraid to give it out. And I didn't even say this at the 9 a.m., but I'm going to go here. That's why when, when Ben or Kaser or, or Amanda or somebody gives up here and takes up offering, it's not that we want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to realize that when you show how grateful you are and that you're just, hey, God, I trust you with this, God says, oh, man, look at that. I can trust them because he sees that we're grateful people. Let's, let's, let's move on. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. And third and final, a secret. I will turn every blessing into a testimony of praise. Every blessing. I'm talking about from the tiniest thing that you don't even think about. You get pulled over and get a ticket. Kelly, what, what, what's there to praise the Lord about that? Well, you ought to praise the Lord for the 150 times you didn't get pulled over for speeding. You know what, God, this sucks. But, man, thank God I didn't get the other ones. I'd be losing my license right now. Come on now. 
turn every blessing into praise. That messy house where toys and stuff are everywhere. I'm telling you, I, you know what? God, there's coming a day when my grandkids are not going to be in this house. Because I've, I've experienced it with my own kids. And I'm going to miss that mess. So I'm thanking you that I've got my grandkids here. I'm thanking you, God, that I have my kids here on the week. I'm thanking you. Turn those blessings into a testimony of praise. Every time I go to work, and I make it to work and back safely, praise break. Come on. Every time I wake up in the morning and I see that I haven't died, praise break. Are you hearing me? Maybe other than, oh, Lord, we thank you for this food. Bless everybody. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Let's eat. God, thank you for this delicious burrito <laughs> covered with the dew of heaven known as queso. We've got a lot to be grateful for, guys. I'm talking about taking little things. God, I'm grateful. Maybe it's not the job I want. I'm grateful I've got a job to go to. Come on now. Maybe it's not the car I want. Maybe it's got 200,000 miles on it. But I'm grateful that it's still getting me there and back. Come on. Maybe it's not the house. I, I want a nicer house. But God, right now, this is what you've given me. So I'm not going to uh, uh, hit you in the face by... By, by being disgruntled of what you blessed me with right now. Thank you for this. Come on. The psalmist said it like this. Daily, I worship you passionately and with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I love this. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. Guys, we're blessed. We're blessed. We, we have so much to be thankful for, even in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not going to be one of those that gets up here and talks about how 2020, how bad it's been. No, because I've seen God work in 2020. I've seen God bless us in 2020. Do I like everything that's happened? Not everything, but if that's where my focus is, I miss out on the focus that God, through this pandemic, brought us a bunch of guys from Grace House. And an open door. I, if I look at everything bad, I'm telling you, I, I tell my brother every week, I said, I don't know where they're coming from, but every week we're getting new people. So, yeah, I could look and focus on all these other things. Or I could focus, you know what, God? I don't like it. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't understand it. But I'm not going to focus. I'm going to focus on what you are doing. I'm going to focus on this. Yeah, my wife got COVID. Well, but praise God. You know what? She's healthy. She's, kind of, she, she's came out of it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, guys, we got to turn those things into praise, into a testimony of praise. God, I thank you for my family, even the ones that drive me crazy. Come on. God, I thank you for my friends, even the ones that are constantly making stupid decisions. Can we be real? 
God, I thank you for my health that I'm alive and breathing. God, I thank you for my church family. God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head every night. God, I thank you for your unending, reckless, and relentless pursuit of me and the love and grace you pour out on me on a daily basis. Here's the way I want to close. I want to read one passage of Scripture in Psalms. And I'm going to read it from the, the passion paraphrasing of it. Because, man, it's so poetic. If one of, these diver- one of these verses describes you and what God has done for you, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. Now, if God's not done any of this for you, please stay seated. But you're going to feel awful awkward. Because I know the people in this room. I know what God has done. I, I, I love this. If, if anyone, man, if it, I'm telling you, I want you to just begin to stand, show gratitude and worship. Psalms 103, 2 through 5. Yahweh, you are my soul celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? I love this. You kissed my heart with forgiveness. In spite of all that I've done, You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that now I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. You've kissed my heart with forgiveness. In spite of all I've done, you kissed my heart with forgiveness, even though I didn't deserve it. Oh, man, that's me. That's me, guys. Every good thing I have is from God, not something I earned. I didn't earn the love of God. I couldn't. I didn't earn His forgiveness. I couldn't. You've rescued me from hell. Save my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. I just want to worship and show some gratitude.